Welcome to Dead Pilot Society, the show that takes comedy pilots from A-list writers that were sold and developed at networks and streamers but never produced, and gives them the table reads they never got a chance to have. I'm Andrew Reich, the creator and host of Dead Pilot Society. Uh, you know, I don't think I've ever talked about this on the podcast before, but for the last uh, several years, I've been directing and producing a music documentary about the Los Angeles band Red Cross. It's called Born Innocent, the Red Cross Story. And last week, I finally finished post on the film. I'm heading to Europe tomorrow for the first festival screenings, which will be in Barcelona and London. And, you know, there's just no better feeling than finishing a project. I can't wait to see it in a theater with an audience, and eventually, hopefully, it'll make it out into the world at large, and I will let all of you fine people know about it. Um, That's all. A rare little plug uh, from me, just some exciting news in my world that I wanted to share, but I'm also excited to share this after-show episode for Let's Do Lunch. I'm sure you've listened to it and realized what a funny pilot this is. And I got to interview Amanda Lund and Maria Blasucci, who I adore. And man, was this a fun conversation. We talk about the beginning of their friendship and college and uh, the seeds of these characters of Brock and Chase and this pilot, how they wrote it under some very challenging circumstances during the pandemic We talk about how everything they write is expected to have some deep feminist theme, even if it doesn't really. I think you'll be able to tell how much fun I had talking to Amanda and Maria. So here is my conversation with Amanda Lund and Maria Blasucci after a brief message. People say not to judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree. Which is why here on Just the Zoo of Us, we judge them by so much more. We rate animals out of 10 in the categories of effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics, taking into consideration each animal's true strengths, like a pigeon's ability to tell a Monet from a Picasso or a polar bear's ability to play basketball. Guest experts like biologists, ecologists, and more join us to share their unique insight into the animal's world. Listen with friends and family of all ages on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get podcasts. I want to hear a heartwarming story of how you two met and it must be heartwarming. Oh yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a one, it's, it's one that'll make your ears well. Oh my God. I didn't <laughs> mean to say that. Well? <laughs> I meant to say eyes, but I said ears. But well, that's actually, it's a it's podcast. Good for pod- so it's it's a podcast. Yes. You'll be, you'll, your ears are, she means like your ears are going to start bleeding when you hear this. <laughs> wow. <laughs> We met in college. We met um, we met freshman year of college in we were both in this theater department at Loyola Marymount University here in Los Angeles. Because Maria and, and I are both SoCal locals. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so um, we were in some classes together, but we didn't really talk um, that much. And then we were both in a play together. <clears throat> uh, uh, Picasso with the Lapana Gilles, mm-hmm. the Steve Martin play. And then we just became friends through that. And then. But you have to tell him the cute part where like Maria would be like in the back of the classrooms with her hoodie on, like journaling. And I was always in the front of the classroom and I'm like the first to raise my hand. Yeah. So, and, and then it was in a way it was like, you know, she had this idea of me as like this, I don't know, what, what did you think? Like I was just this like good student and like popular. And then. Yeah. I, yeah. And yeah. And then what do you then, think of me? And then I, you know, I never was really looking behind me. So I <laughs> didn't know I didn't, she existed. I didn't know you existed. And I then, was looking longingly at the front of the class. And Amanda <laughs> didn't even know I existed. But then we just realized, no, like no one has friends. Neither of us have friends. Neither of us are popular. And so mm-hmm. we just kind of bonded together. Um, yeah. And we both started out like, you know, and trying to, act and we were in the theater program and then after our uh senior year of college we lived together and that's when we kind of got into making web videos and writing and improv and all that Mm -hmm. um so 
right out of school, like what was the, once you graduated, was that just sort of the next step? You're just sort of making your own stuff. Did you guys do, I don't know, like I should know this, but did you do like UCB? Did you do any of those? Yeah, we did. Well, we did IO West and then okay. um, we did a sketch writing class at UCB. And then, and then we were doing YouTube videos kind of when YouTube was just starting, like people were like, oh, this is interesting where you can make your own thing and put it online we were doing that living together um and putting out these these little shorts called little mysteries with andrew de young and um yeah so and then and then we both got on improv teams at io west and yeah i got into comedy that way and, and the so first... oh go ahead you no, probably no you go ahead Amanda. question no Amanda, you go say, ahead. <laughs> the first like thing that we did that got any traction was we hooked up with jeremy connor um who is a one of the creators of Drunk History and a great director? Oh, here comes my husband. Oh, hey, Bigfoot Matt. Sighting. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew says hi. Um, so we we did like a short called Ghost Girls, and that was sort of our first project that got like attention and led to us getting representation and became a web series for Yahoo Screen. Mm-hmm. Yahoo Screen. Yeah. Blast from the past. Um, did yeah. you so Amanda? All right. Well, so Maria, you are a show business kid. Like you're people should know. Um, just your dad is Dick Blasucci. He's a legend. Everyone should know who Dick Blasucci is. He should be a household name. SCTV, Larry Sanders show. Just uh it was kind of a thrill after we did this read that I got to uh chat with your dad for a while because um he's amazing. He created a show called Phenom that my uh, best friends and roommates at the time, my best friend Ira and my, our other roommate, Adam Chase, like that was their first show they wrote on. Um, I love Phenom. Phenom it, was like one of my favorite shows. It was it, so good. It really was good. I mean, my memory of it mostly is like going to uh, the, the filmings and the, it was a James Brooks. It was like a Gracie Films James Brooks production. And, you know, we were just out here, we're like 23 years old, and the spreads at those filmings, it was just like, there's a sushi chef and a raw bar. And there's just like, it was like a high-end wedding at like every single filming, because there's just so much money being thrown around. And so we would just go and like gorge ourselves at those filming. I remember that I was like seven it's crazy that we were both there together as like yeah. seven-year-old Maria like <laughs> standing there and then you were there too and you were eating like the raw bar and then I couldn't get over the omelet bar yes they the had omelet like fresh omelet <laughs> yes but Amanda after the show that you'd go up to am I right in this because this is a seven-year-old's memory after the show you'd go to another soundstage where there'd the, be the spread yes i think so i think it was set up somewhere else and it was uh, like well, a sorry this was after the tapings was yeah taping? after the tapings after you know it's like after a multi-camera show taping. and after the tapings there would just be this like you know you can't even call it craft service it's just like it was a, a brunch yeah it was like yes. a yeah like going to brunch yeah um so Okay, so so you're, I mean, you're seven years old, you're going to multicam tapings, like you kind of grew up in this. Did you, from an early age, were you thinking like, I want to do what, what I want to be a Nepo baby? Yeah, from just <laughs> out of the womb, I was like, this is, I'm going to be a Nepo baby. Um, <laughs> no, I always wanted to act. Like I always, always, like I just always wanted to, to perform. And then it kind of became, and I always wrote, like I would always write short stories and, you know, things like that. But it wasn't until Amanda and I graduated college that we kind of realized that you have to take things into your own hands or you're never going to get anything. I mean, you'll get little things here and there, but it, it became very apparent that in order to be able to perform, I at least would have to write for myself. And so that's where that kind of came in that that want to write was was pretty much right after college and really kind of been you know driven by the desire to act like the yes. writing was just a way mm -hmm. like okay I want to act and this is how I can make it happen so yeah, that and to create stuff and to like create stuff that was 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 fun to like like it was instead of instead of trying to find a character that someone else wrote all the time, it was really fun to create stuff for myself that I knew I could be good in. And like Amanda as well, like stuff that would just speak really well to our humor and our 
um, you know, what we did well. And so Amanda, where in Southern California did you grow up and did you, did your family have any show business connection? Uh, I grew up in the LVC, Long Beach, okay. baby. Um, and no, I come from a family of attorneys. So my, both my parents, um, were lawyers and yeah, there was no con- really no showbiz connections. I'm trying to think like anyone. Oh, my cousin Tyler was a um, a baby model in a Gap ad. Whoa, I <laughs> okay. didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So that opened a lot of doors for me. <laughs> so you were dropping um, that name everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's baby Tyler. Because was so baby Tyler. <laughs> I actually used his Gap ad as my headshot. <laughs> I know but I my family was always very fostering of creativity so I just used to love to write um I would always be writing short stories and I loved English was my favorite subject and like my sister is an artist she's like very talented she now she does like production design but she's like an extremely talented artist so it was always like very encouraged to be creative and I I was a dancer so I did ballet and that I just loved being on stage and the whole backstage experience so for me um it wasn't until high school when I kind of got into some drama like I I was in a couple of plays in high school and I would always make my own movies and direct them my best friend Elisa was my muse and I would just like make her do the craziest things and it really for me like I I liked being in, I never liked being in front of the camera. I was never like that good at it. I liked being on stage. Um, And then it it wasn't until I got to college that I kind of like really focused in on like, okay, I think I'm actually going to want to pursue acting professionally. But like, I've always also loved writing, but I was like, oh, but maybe acting is a easier, more natural fit for me. Um, but it, but yeah, like Maria said, it wasn't until I was like, oh, okay, no, like I should still be writing toward the end of college. And I just realized it was so fun to collaborate. Like I just love collaborating with people. And I felt very safe with Maria and Andy DeYoung, who we picked up in high school. We were just like this little threesome making stuff all the time for a couple of years. And it was just like so fun and so creative. And I think Andy had like a really specific sensibility that like really informed some of like Maria and I's sensibilities as well. Cause it was just like very silly and absurd. And he also gave us a lot of confidence cause he thought we were really funny, you know? And it was just like this good little creative threesome that we had. Were there things that you were bonding over the two of you, comedy uh, shows, movies, um you know that's a funny question because I don't think we ever know I I I mean am I wrong in like in like we didn't really trade comedy stuff it was like no because I don't consider like I don't consider myself a comedian and I'm not like a comedy nerd where I don't really have a like Maria knows a lot more about it than I do just from how she grew up like we have because we're you know the same age and grew up slightly similarly like it's more our comedy comes from within us it's inside the house it's not like we're both like we love carrot top or whatever it's like it's all like we're similar on the inside yeah it's like we're not trading comedy stuff we're trading like a movie like like a Cameron Diaz movie Amanda really likes and then we're both liking the same scene in that movie because no one else understands that the scene is so funny except for us you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah. it's just like stuff like that I do like- know what scene you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> but it's like I don't know I guess it was more finding the absurdity and stuff that we we traded it wasn't that we both watched comedies together right. if that makes but sense. But when you were started writing things together, you were finding you were laughing at the same yes, things. It was always and no one makes me laugh harder than Amanda truly. Like she truly <laughs> makes me laugh. Like well, right back, right back at you. <laughs> so go, how many episodes of Ghost Girls did you guys end up making? I think 12 or it was a 12 I think it was 12 episodes of Ghost Girls. And those were around 15 minutes each. And I figured there was probably uh, 
some talk at some point of like that moving to like a bigger platform was was that uh a taste of just sort of like okay maybe this is um well i forgot about this andrew that's funny you ask because originally we had sold ghost girls to the sci-fi network mm -hmm. and we developed it as a sci-fi show yeah which was such a wild experience because they were so into like the ghost rules and they wanted <laughs> like all the ghost stuff to really like make sense um and it was just like such a funny experience. And then when that didn't go, then Yahoo Screen picked it up. So for us, like Yahoo Screen was kind of like the end that, you know, because we had already been through development oh, on it. We were gotcha. like, oh, we finally get to make this. And um, yeah, and then Yahoo Screen just kind of like dissipated and no one could find it because <laughs> um, like you couldn't access it from the home screen, like the home page. And so it, it's, I consider it a cult classic. Yeah. Is is there anywhere people can watch it now? I think if you type in Ghost Girls, Girls G H I R L S, I think there's a Vimeo link. I think there's, I think it's up. But you know, I've it's on Vimeo into, most of it. I've looked into trying to because, like, a couple of years back, I was like, you know, this is a great show. This should you, we should try, and it seems like it's kind of at a dead end. It, I'm not sure who owns it anymore but i i don't think we have the ability to even to even go back out with it if we wanted to hmm. should i should look into that you should look into it i i i bet people have told us no but i think that was more <laughs> like our like well also we, we should mention priyanka matu who mm -hmm. we hooked up with for ghost girls she produced it and now she's like involved in everything we do mm -hmm. um yeah we should because it's all like it's always on my mind to be like this is such a good show like it's such a good concept and like it just worked when we did it but it seems like i'm telling you like six years ago i went on like an email hunt for like asking everyone hey who owns this how do we get this and it was kind of dead end dead end dead end hmm. so i don't know we'll see uh, and tell me a little bit more about drunk history and how that was like your involvement and sort of where, where that fell in the timeline well, we met Jeremy. It was a funny story how we met Jeremy Connor. We were walking through the park one day, Pan Pacific Park, Amanda and I, and we came across uh, a band that was busking. Um, and uh, they said, hey, we're the Wild Yaks. Find us on MySpace. So it was 2008, if you can piece all that together. <laughs> and then uh, so we went home and I was like, OK, I'll email them and say that I saw them in the park. So I emailed them and I said, or MySpace them. And then the guy from the Wild Yaks was like, oh, my God, I can't believe you MySpaced us. Jeremy, who was playing the saw in the band, is going to take you out to coffee. And I called Amanda into the room because we were living together at the time. I was like, Amanda, Amanda, I did something wrong. Like, th this is scary. <laughs> Someone's going to come take me and they're going to take me to coffee. <laughs> to blindfold me and throw me in the back of a van and take me to Intelligentsia. Help. <laughs> so... So then Jeremy emailed me and was like, hey, this is weird. <clears throat> he was like, sorry, this is weird, but we have a we have a bunch of mutual friends. And he listed off all these people we knew. And he was like, and I'm going to take you to coffee to say thank you. And then we started getting coffee every Friday. And um, Jeremy was going to Sundance because uh, Drunk History was in competition. And he came back and they, they had won Sundance. And so... Um, that's when Jeremy was like, hey, do you and Amanda want to do anything together? And that's how Ghost Girls started. And then so that was kind of how our friend with French with Jeremy started. And then when Drunk History got bought by Comedy Central and they did the pilot, they invited me to do to do like a very small role in the, the pilot episode. Um, and then when it got picked up, uh, Jeremy asked me if I wanted to be a, a player in that. So that's kind of how that went. Oh, cool. Um, that's a crazy, the busking in Pan Pacific origin of that is, is crazy. All because uh, we decided to take a walk. Yeah. Like that's where that all. I'm always promoting, promoting walking on this show. <laughs> yeah. This is just another reason why people, writers should go for walks. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. So let's talk about let's do lunch. Um, and, you know, in the little quick interview, you said that this was just one of these things, the idea of playing these sort of Simpson Bruckheimer kind of producers is just something that you guys had been talking about for a while. Do you remember just sort of the, the seeds of this? 
Yeah, I think it really came out of um, Maria and I being frustrated as actresses. And we we had this running joke because we felt like we couldn't get our foot in the door, couldn't get auditions, that we were going to be our own agents and like start making phone calls on on our own behalf. But like in our mind, we would have these like we would pretend to be men. And then we were like, why do we think we have to be men to be <laughs> agents? But it was just like we imagined we would do these characters and just like imagine that we were just like always wore sunglasses and we were these power players who because in real life we're just like kind of just like nice ladies you know who are <laughs> yeah constantly apologizing um <laughs> we're like we thought we had to have these alter egos so we came up with this just funny like it was more like a joke we were like let's do lunch and we're we play two actresses who moonlight as like fake agents dressed as men in the 80s and we just kind of like always had this idea and then it wasn't until really like years later when we were like should we actually do this yeah and, and were then, the, um, were you brock and chase like were those agent characters like did you have those names was were those characters really starting to form yeah i think that was a little uh, that that it, it no it wasn't so set in stone that kind of came through the through the writing of it we did a short we did um we did a little presentation in 2016 and um Priyanka produced it and then our friend Ryan Corrigan directed it and edited it and that's kind of where everything took shape was during that little presentation we did we shot it at WME like they allowed us to go to WME and shoot it and um that was before was, they dropped us yeah that was before they said <laughs> so sorry so gals we're, we're, no, you're no, we're no longer interested were you still agents at that point? The characters were agents, not producers, or were they? No, producers? we were producers. We okay. Were produ by the time we got to do it, because we wrote, we wrote that presentation, and they had become, they had become producers at that, at that point. Yeah, and it wasn't until we actually sat down to like do like a pitch doc that we actually solidified the details of what a show could actually look like. Um, and why the eighties? just reading stories about that time and doing research into that time it was the it was this kind of wish fulfillment almost in Amanda and I Amanda and I being able to play so far from ourselves you know everyone kind of nowadays puts on this veneer whether they think like they did in the 80s today but they don't know everyone's so nice now you know you know everyone's like trying to be on their best behavior and stuff but it was just the most fun version of the Hollywood producer was set in that 80s sphere of like just complete just mayhem you know I think also Maria has like a real affinity for like Hollywood at its peak like the shiny veneer of Hollywood like you're constantly like on YouTube watching the Oscars from like 91 yeah. I li and, literally like, like my favorite thing to do is watch like the 1998 Oscars <laughs> wait 98 so what what well, I don't... that was I think I think if I, I'm gonna I don't want to get this wrong there's two years I love I love the I love the Titanic year and I love the um I love the the like life is beautiful year what what years were those hold on a minute okay I think it was 1998 is one of them and then when's the everyone's turning off oh, wait if that's the same that's the same year ah okay so there you okay, go so I like that <laughs> I like any of the Billy Crystal years. Okay. <laughs> I truly but, do. But yeah, but Maria was like really into it. And then she read this book on um, Jerry Bruckheimer and Don Simpson that she was like, you've got to like read this book. It's um, just like these stories are unbelievable. It's so it's like exactly what we're doing. And then, of course, I skimmed it. Um, <laughs> and it was just like the 80s. It was just so much to mine. And there's just a really like when we were setting out to do it, we just wanted it to be kind of like fun. And then when we started actually like moving forward with it, um, people were asking us like, yeah, but what are you trying to say? And we were kind of like, nothing, it's just fun. <laughs> and then we were like, okay, no, people want this to be some sort of like feminist message. So, which they always do when you're two women pitching something like their hat, they're like, what's, what is this saying? How is this pro woman? And you're like, it's just, we're just characters. I don't know. Um, but I get it because of the subject matter. I, I understand why people were looking for that. So we, we really had to kind of like dig in to figure that out. But don't ask me where we landed, okay? 
All right, I won't ask you about the deep meaning <laughs> behind this. I don't know about you, but as we get close to the end of the year, the task of planning and making dinner starts to get really exhausting. But what if I told you that you could save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle with chef-prepared, ready-to-eat meals delivered right to your door with Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. With Factor, you choose from 35-plus weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that promote a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences. They're all ready to eat in two minutes. You can relish the best of autumn with fall flavors, limited-time-only hearty, comforting meals featuring seasonal vegetables, Meals like cranberry pecan chicken or cranberry pecan chicken. Apple Dijon pork chops. They'll satisfy your fall cravings during this busy season without the hassle. We all know we're getting really busy as we head into November and December. Maybe you're too busy running around during the day to think about lunch. You could keep your energy up with lunch to go. These are effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls, salad toppers. They're ready to eat when you're on the go with no microwave required. You know, I have found that the factor meals I've had taste more like home-cooked food than most ready-to-eat meals. You can tell that the ingredients are high quality and that they've been made with care. So, head to factormeals.com slash deadpilots50 and use the code deadpilots50 to get 50% off. That's code deadpilots50 at factormeals.com slash deadpilots50 to get 50% off. It's the final week of Co-Optober. I'm Richard Roby, producer, and I'm here with KT Wigman, operations specialist. To cap off National Co-Op Month, we're sharing how worker-owned co-ops can benefit their communities. Read about it in our newsletter or on social media at MaxFunHQ. We're also trying to do our part, We're volunteering at our local food bank this week, and we encourage you to volunteer in your area, too. On Friday, we're announcing the donation that you helped raise in the Postmax Fund Drive sticker sale, going to five food banks across the U.S. And we want to make sure that you know this is your last chance to get our limited edition Launch Crew merch. Grab a pin, hat, shirt, or hoodie before they disappear at the end of the month. Details on merch, resources for volunteering, and all things Co-Optober can be found at MaximumFun.org slash Co-Optober. That's C-O-O-P-T-O-B-E-R. Thank you so much for your support and a great Co-Optober. So when you pitched it, were you showing the short to people or were you just and or were you playing the characters in the in the pitch? Like, do you remember how the pitches went? Well, we pitched it what like we pitched it back when we did the sizzle um, to like Adult Swim and maybe like one other place, and they people were just like staring at us blankly, like yeah, this is <laughs> absolutely insane. And we weren't in character; we went in as like Amanda Maria, and then we'd show them the sizzle in the room. Um, so no one wanted it then, and then it wasn't until years later in uh, the quarantine when Maria was like living in Ohio, and she's like, I really think we should get this going again and we were all kind of like I don't know everyone really didn't want it you know and you're like, no I really <laughs> I really think we should and by this time as it always happens like you know uh pen 13 had come out so there was like a little bit more like okay like this sort of heightened reality can be a show so I think using that as a comp really helped us to get in rooms and pitch it again and then all of our pitch meetings the second time were on zoom Sure. Yeah. So it was less off-putting for them. They we, there was a little more distance between us and them. Yeah, and then they could watch the sizzle in their own time. But actually, we didn't even send out the sizzle the second time. No, I think it was the second the second time. I think the sizzle. I recut the sizzle um, to to make it very a lot shorter and just kind of a little snippet of what the vibe would be. Um, I don't think that even got sent out though. I think it, it became apparent that it was better to kind of go in fresh, you know, not, not, not with anything like that. Um, and no, we didn't, we weren't in character or anything like that, but within the pitch, we would kind of do little scenes together. Like there would be, there would be moments where it would, you know, 
we'd have little interactions between the two of us so they could see where that humor was coming from. And how do you prepare for pitches like that? I mean, how rehearsed are you? Well, Zoom is great because you can kind of put the, the way we wrote it out was, was we divided it between Amanda and myself. It was like a script basically. And um, it was very conversational. So it was, you know, so, you know, you know, but we, but I was able to kind of have it there. We, it was pretty memorized, but, but having yeah. it over zoom, you could really have it right in front of you, which was really yeah. great. Um, but we did it so many times. We rehearsed it so many times that it, it really was kind of, we memorized it. And I, we were working with party over here and Priyanka. So we, I think we did maybe like a couple practices with them, but over the time, it like took us such a long time to really get it right. Because after we would pitch it to like production companies, we'd get feedback and we'd go back and work with party over here and Priyanka on how to finesse. Um, so by the time we were actually pitching, it was like, you are, you just kind of know it already. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we had to sit down and memorize it. And then, yeah, we pretty much like knew exactly what we were saying, but then every once in a while, I like to throw in a little curveball see if I can get like a real laugh out of Maria. <laughs> <laughs> and do you as writer performers, how do you feel about pitching? Do you enjoy it? I like it. I think yeah, I like I've it. always loved it because I feel like just used to going into rooms with these people in auditions where you're the little actor and you come in and you're like, hi, I'm Amanda Lynn, five foot seven, you know, <laughs> and then now I'm kind of like, yeah, you're going to listen to me talk for a half hour. <laughs> yeah I like it too it's 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 a cool it's like a job interview but it's like a I, I don't know it's also like you're doing a school project do you know what I mean it's it's just you're kind of in the middle of it's like you should have your foam board behind you where you're like and Leonardo da Vinci you know like it just I don't know there's something really comforting about it it's also, to me, it's like so hopeful. Um, yeah. Like you're just like exciting. Like people are taking meetings with me and I get <laughs> yeah. to like, like they they like it. And um, there's like the doors are opening. And then obviously like, I also enjoy like creatively putting together like a pitch deck. Um, sometimes actually like sitting down and writing a script can make me a little tense yeah. just mostly because of the stage directions and like transitions. Cause we're not formally trained. <laughs> no, I'm always blown away by people who write action. Like when I watch like an action sequence and I'm like, someone sat there and they were like the car pulls around the corner. Yeah. And like, I'm like, that's so not, I can't. It's so hard for me. I agree. It's one of my least favorite. Not that I'm writing lots of action scenes, but whenever there's anything like that, where you know, it was like a big physical comedy pit or whatever that you have to describe it. Like I always feel like the first draft is just, it's like a six-year-old telling a story. Like, and, and then this happens, yeah. and then this happens. Yeah. And then this, it's just like, this is so bad. Like, this is not how it should be done. And like, then boom, yeah. an explosion. Right. And then when I write it that way, in that kind of staccato thing, it just feels so not me. It's and so like, it just feels like right. I'm trying to put on this Stupid. Shane Black kind of thing. <laughs> Um, I was Googling yesterday. I was like, is it embarrassing to use fade in <laughs> or like cross fade? I was like, I don't know. Is this embarrassing? Is this embarrassing? <laughs> you should put that in the script. You should, you should put fade in and then in, in parentheses wrote, right. Is this embarrassing? <laughs> I, I don't think there's anything embarrassing about fade in. Okay. It's pretty standard. Sometimes it feels like embarrassing to be like cut to smash cut. <laughs> You mean like you think you're kind of putting on a knowledge yeah, of like filmmaking cool, that you don't really have? How I just cool. imagine someone reading it, like rolling their eyes and going like, we get it. Or like, right. oh, we're not supposed to, smash cuts are so 80s or something. <laughs> so many of us feel this way. You're not, you're not, yeah. And when people are just like rack focused or whatever, it's just like, you don't know. You don't know how to operate a camera. You don't really know what you're talking about. Um, so tell me a little bit about Priyanka, who I also know, Priyanka Matu, like, what is it about how you work with Priyanka and what is her role as a producer that, um, makes you want to like work with her every time? Kind of what is, she, what's so great? What's so great about Priyanka? I don't mean it that way, but like, <laughs> um, what does she bring and what's her role? 
she gets stuff done. I've never met anyone <laughs> that gets stuff done the way Priyanka does. It's it's like, oh, do you think that this person would like this? Yes, I'll, I'll write them an email right now. And she like, gets out her phone. <laughs> and then the people respond to her because she just she's just got that factor where like people like her they want to be around her they like what she's doing it's just she's she's just really um she's a go-getter she was uh worked at an agency she worked at wme and then she's also went to was a lawyer or into law school am i making I that up she went to priyanka's listening to this and just beside she worked at she was she went to law school and then she and was then a, I, lawyer, a lawyer a lawyer and then um, she was an agent. An agent, yeah. And she's and then, also a, a doctor, I think, an optometrist. <laughs> <laughs> and she taught nursery school. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, so she, and then she, she, um, she moved over into writing and directing. And um, so she's really done it all and she knows everybody and she's, she's just a great person to have on your team because she's so supportive when she likes some sh something, she makes it known and she's just your biggest champion. So, yeah. And, and she also is just like, she almost is like the modern manifestation of like the power producers were playing in let's do lunch mm -hmm. <laughs> where she's just literally like, she doesn't operate fear-based and Maria and I are just like, we don't like the business stuff is just mind boggling to us. So it's nice to have someone who can straddle the line, like from being like a creative partner. And like, we really value all of her creative input. And then also someone who like knows how to like call people and talk to them. Yeah. And Okay, so you guys have these characters, you've done the short, you're pitching, and at some point you have to actually come up with like a plot for a pilot and story and you have to figure out like what are people going to invest in and care about and like what are emotional stakes and can you talk about like that process of fleshing out this thing which really started as like these playing these characters that like, kind of cracks us up and it's fun to play them and how you then turn that into an actual pilot with a story. Yeah, I mean, well, it start. Go ahead, Amanda. Well, I was just going to say, we had Maria and I tend to have ideas for a really long time, like before they come to fruition. So, with this one, we had been ruminating on these people for years and years. Um, and so, when it came time to actually like come up with ideas, it was like we had so many, like so many. Um, and so, it was really like the first draft of the pilot. It really was like came this one flowed really naturally for us, I feel like. Yeah. And it was like such a joy to work on. But we like jam-packed that pilot. Like there were so many things going on. Um yeah. that like our well first the outline. The outline we did was just so I mean, every T was crossed, every I was dotted. It was like in and you know, we've done a lot of round tables, you know, within the last couple of years where we started to at least I did started to see where people were having troubles with with scripts that had been written, you know, and so going into writing this, it was like, okay, no, we're going to have a problem with that later if we don't figure this out now. And, you know, I think that led us to having it so ironclad um, that we went in and we were told basically, okay, you got to now chip away at this because it's so, it's <laughs> just like a too ball much. of, it's too much. It's too, yeah, they were like, you need to scale it back like you don't have to have like hit a kid in the car and then also be having the affair and then also like we put it all in the pilot yeah. um because we wanted it to be like we wanted every scene to be like fun and we wanted it to feel fast and action-packed and like you know almost like cocaine fueled fun mm -hmm. um and it was just too much and then even from the beginning they were also like it's funny enough like you don't need any. Yeah, they kept jokes. saying that they were like, no, they were like, there's enough jokes. It was just such a funny note to get of like, stop with the stop. jokes. <laughs> it's it's not an uncommon note, weirdly and somewhat sadly. Yeah. But you wouldn't think from FX that that would like that you would get that note. They seem to be one of the places that it seems okay with actual jokes and things being well funny. no they loved the jokes the problem was, was just was too we many for we were we were using jokes instead of getting to <laughs> maybe the core of the relationship stuff and so they kept basically they would give us a note to like get to the core of the relationship and we'd come back with a funnier scene and they'd be like no no 100 no, it's funny 
like (laughs) that note we gave you could you just you know yeah I think that's where Maria and I sometimes struggle because we have such like we're like mind readers and we know each other so well and have been working together so long and we're playing the main characters like this is the same with ghost girls too um that like there's a lot that we just take for granted like will come out in our performance as far as like relationship dynamic because the characters that we're playing are like these really super heightened versions of ourselves like we're boiling ourselves down to like our the tiny like beads of our soul and just like making them (laughs) so over the top um and so we take for granted that like these people reading the script like they don't know us and so sometimes we have struggled with having the things we know will be there in performance performance um and be like we under like to underplay things and like keep things real but the script can seem so broad um but we're like no 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 but when we do it it's not gonna be like that but we that's what we really had to work with in this script was like putting it on the page what we already knew in our hearts yeah yeah and what's your writing process together like what does that look like well, this this one was interesting. This was new because we were thousands of miles apart. Is it thousands of miles or hundreds of miles? Thousands, right? LA to I don't Ohio. Know where were, where <laughs> were you? Yeah, <laughs> and why? Well, because of the basically when when COVID hit, uh, my boyfriend and I were then the lockdowns happened. My boyfriend and I were in this apartment we really didn't like in Los Feliz, like bars on the windows and stuff. And when it didn't look like it was going to open up, we were like, oh, my family has had this house. My mom's from Ohio and we've had this house since I was a baby on a lake there. And we were like, oh, let's go there for the summer. And then when things still didn't open up, we were like, okay, well, let's get rid of our apartment and just stay here. And so we were there for a couple of years. And um, so, and Amanda got pregnant. And so, and so the, the writing process really became kind of, where Amanda and I, we wrote a script a couple years ago um, uh, called Debt Semester. Is that right, Amanda? Is that what it was called? I think that was the original title, and then it became like the Farm Stay. Farm Stay. Yeah. And that was meeting every day at Amanda's, just sitting down and just being like, okay, what are we going to do today? And this script became, we've got an hour and a half. Uh, we've got, you know, you're three hours behind. I'm three. We have to sit down. We have to make this work. And then we're, and then we're out basically. And then it was going off on our own and, you know, giving each other homework, coming back, re-editing it. I mean, it was very, it really did feel like we kind of grew up (laughs) in how we wrote. Um, it became very important that the time we used was used wisely. Uh, Yeah. And I think it benefited us um, because we both, I think we both have similar skill sets, but like slightly different. We're like, I'm, I'm better at maybe throwing up the first draft on the page and then Maria's Mm -hmm. better at like looking big picture and doing the second draft. So we would kind of like, but we would both just divide and conquer scenes and then come back and, you know, work together. Yeah. An hour here, an hour there while my baby slept. Like I didn't really have childcare at the time. So it was really just like, yeah, we had an hour and a half was probably like the longest we ever went on a zoom working together. Yeah. And has that discipline stayed with you as you've been writing stuff since? We haven't written. I mean, this, the thing, this is such a new, the last draft we did of this was only like within the year because, you know, so, um, uh, we haven't, we haven't really put it to the test since, but yeah, this is a, this is a very new, it's a very uh, new script. <laughs> what, um, was FX besides sort of giving you wanting fewer jokes? Um, was there another like sort of thrust to their notes that you were getting from them or any clues as to why ultimately, I mean, I know you never really know why uh, they pass, (laughs) Um, but do you have any, did you have a sense during the development process of them wanting it more this or more that? I mean, I think they definitely were trying to ground it um, and ground the relationships and, and also sort of bolster like the kind of 
feminist undertones a little bit with some of our women characters. Um, and this script is also like, it's got some Hollywood insider stuff that I think appealed to like some of the execs that we were working with. Cause you know, what woman in Hollywood can't have a little laugh at poking fun at the guys. So, and, and then ultimately, you know, when it went to the higher up at FX, she was just pretty instantly like, this is hilarious. Like, what am I supposed to do with it? Uh, <laughs> that's the that's the vibe that we got where it was like, this was like, so fun, but like, yeah, it's not going to fit in here. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, like, yeah. And then I think the execs that we were working with are no longer at FX. Um but it was truly such a great experience working with the the women that we were working with there were so they got it like they truly did get it and they were so they they laughed so much and were so supportive of it and every note they gave made sense like nothing nothing we didn't push back on anything and it and it truly was the experience of being like anytime we would get a note we'd go oh yeah 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 that's good that's good so so i think in the end it just kind of didn't it just didn't fit like it just didn't fit but we never got the idea that that it it became the best of what it could have been for that particular network, I think. Um, and it just didn't at the end of the day fit. Right. But they, they were so nice and um, they gave it back to us. They were like, this is so great. Like they, you could feel that they didn't want to hinder it moving forward in another regard. So they did like just pay us out. We didn't do the last draft, the polish. Um, and they gave it back to us to hopefully, you know, now that the strike is over as soon as SAG um, and after figure it out, like, hopefully we can find a new home for it because we're so proud of it. And it, it mm -hmm. is just really funny. So maybe streaming or somewhere that can do a little bit more niche things. Yeah. 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 It sounds like it was a good, I mean, that's a good dead pilot development story. You know, it's just like, it was all good until like one bad day where they passed, but up till then, it sounds like it was pretty good. I mean, the entire process, like even when FX said they wanted to buy it was like, wait, what? Like the entire process, <laughs> because it's such a it's such a crazy idea and it's so out there, you know, in a lot of ways, um, it, it it all felt like a gift to be able to do it that, you know, every step of the way, even at the end when it was like, hey, this isn't going to work. It was like, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no shit guys no, 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 no. um so so it was never there was never any um it, it never felt like we were the rug was taken out from under us right you know yeah. well i guess um yeah you can now try and sell it again like yeah we'd love to yeah um you just can't you can't act in it yet but um and uh as the day as we're recording this is the day where the the talks just broke down once again yep. which was a really uh tough blow to to hear about very disappointing but um who knows uh by the time this is actually uh on the air whatever i never know what the words to use with podcasts when this drops uh maybe things will have gotten resolved but who knows but i guess you're you are allowed now to try and set this up elsewhere yeah. that's not breaking any rules right um yeah. and you know hopefully people can hear this and it's a good proof of like it's really funny it's such a fun you know, it's just the kind of thing that there's there's just not enough of out there. And it's exactly what I'm dying to watch when I'm like looking for things to watch is just something like this, which is a big swing, but it's just like really funny, just a fun world. Like who doesn't want to go back and live in the 80s, you know, such a such a better time in so many ways than than now for all its ridiculousness um so yeah i'd love it if this happens i want to watch it i want to watch you guys play these characters um so much fun great i'm glad you let us do it and so much fun to, to talk to you guys oh thank, thank you and like i had us. to say doing the dead pilot society it was such a gift because 
it's just like letting, even if it's just like on a stage, you know, Marie and I did dress up, we donned our wigs, yes. uh, but like to just, <laughs> it's like such a special show because it gives you like closure in a way where you're like, at least we got to do it in front of an audience. Like yeah. that felt so fun and so good, especially after like coming off of like not doing really live performance for so long. That was a real treat for us. And I felt the same way about Wonderland. That was just like such a, a gift to be able to do it on a stage with like talented performance performers and yeah we're big fans oh good yeah. i mean it is what we all want it's just you just want to hear an audience laugh at your mm-hmm. at your stuff and the fact is yeah. like when you actually make a show you're just like you're shooting it with the, it's you, you don't get that like really visceral feeling of like a live audience right in front of you laughing at it like that's kind of the best that it gets yeah because you are in a little when when you're writing it you can send it off to someone to be like hey read this and then people will say like oh i really liked this line <laughs> but that's kind of all you <laughs> get i know it's right, not the same it. as hearing the laugh <laughs> yeah well did you it, think it, did you did any line make you laugh you know that's that's the question you asked. yeah maria oh, loves yeah. to get notes from people she loved to blast I off do. those scripts you're like i sent it to my cousin <laughs> I do. I like a lot of, I do like a lot of uh, feedback. Do you send, Amanda, do you send stuff to baby Tyler? Oh God, <laughs> I should. He's so smart. You guys, I think he's like works in statistics. So he's beauty and brains runs in the wow. family. Um, cool. Well, you know, and if he's got a pilot, just like, let me know. Um, we'd love to do it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. Uh, and you know, we'll see you guys soon. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. All right, bye. Thank you, that was fun. Bye. All right, I hope you enjoyed that. We'll be back next month with another great Dead Pilot. Dead Pilot Society is produced by me and my co-producer, Ben Blacker, and our associate producer, Noah Findling. It is edited and mixed by Jordan Katz. Hey, if you like the show... You know what I'm going to say? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Tell a friend. Come on, tell a friend. You can follow us on social media. Find out all the latest. We're on Twitter at Dead Pilots Pod. We're on Instagram at Dead Pilot Society. Until next time, be kind to yourself. And for God's sakes, be kind to others. I'm Andrew Reich. Thank you for listening. Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, Supported directly by you.